today's episode of the Echoing Christ podcast, we're going to be talking about God's plan. And no, I'm not talking about the uh, Drake song. I'm talking about God's actual plan for our lives. Uh, So tune into today's episode. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Echoing Christ podcast. Um, I'm joined today in the podcast with Kinzer, Riley, and Dean today. Um, And today we're going to kind of be talking about uh, God's plan for your life and how to kind of figure out what you're supposed to be doing in your life. I know this was a perfect topic to talk about last week after my wonderful Sunday of missing a 5 a.m. flight back from Alabama, getting through TSA, and then finally just coming to the realization that driving five hours home from Alabama would probably be an, an easier way to take it and just to get back quicker. And some things in life as we go just really don't go according to plan and how we expect them to. And that's one thing I think we'll kind of dive in here later with you guys and just so much that your plan and your will for your life might not always match up for God's plan uh, for your life. Just like it's a it's a fun time for all of us as it's NCAA March Madness time and <laughs> we've all made the plan to make the perfect bracket and well I've already like that ship has sunk for me. It's it sucks. It's done. just it's done. a lot of bad things. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> uh, someone out there is wishing some bad things on me. And as the lyrics of uh, Drake's "God Plan" goes, God plan, God plan, God plan. God's plan. I, you know what? It is what it is. I don't listen to Drake very much, so it's it's all good. So, um, Dean, I'll kind of have you open us with that uh, verse from James that you were talking about, and just how sometimes we try to plan things outside of God's will for us. Yeah, James four thirteen through 15 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we shall go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Say So yeah, you kind of see there from the book of James where he's kind of just talking. And I think we get this, this plan that we're going we're gonna to go to school, we're going to get into the college of our dreams, we're going to then pursue whatever career we have after that, we're going to make our six-figure job, life's going to go this way for us, and just all these things are expected to happen to us. I know I had plans that I wanted to be an endocrinologist when I was in high school, I know, Kinzer, you had other plans outside of the ministry for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, Riley, you probably had something. But when the when God calls you to a different area and you get these His plan in your life, I mean, it kind of directs you in different places. And I'm sure anybody at this table could attest to that. Yeah, I mean, there in James, it's that prideful presumption of you thinking you know mm-hmm. what is going to happen. And he says, you, you don't know, like tomorrow you might not even be living here. Um, I have my grandparents, their best friend just today at 12.45 died. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a shock, but he is now no longer living. Uh, our lives are literally a mist here one moment, gone the next. And God is the one who is going to direct all of your life, every single Uh, facet every single um, setting you're in every single um, opportunity you're given is because it's from the hand of God Um, we like to think we're in control but we're not and yeah like personally 
so many plans I've had, and I almost now sometimes will go the go to something I call me and one of my friends call lazy dependence, where I don't even actively plan. You know, JD, I don't know how many times I've heard him say, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, mm-hmm. and you should have plans, but ultimately you have to always be willing to let them go for what God wants. And in Proverbs 16, there's a ton of uh, scripture about that. So yeah, uh, starting in verse 1, To humans humans belong the plans of the heart, but but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked, uh, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Uh, and then in verse 9, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And then later on in 25, uh, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And so you kind of get the idea there from those verses that, like, thinking or your human understanding of how everything should go is generally not going to be right. And it's going to lead down a very bad, disastrous plan if you try to plan things apart from God. And if you go to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. So... From Jeremiah and from those readings from uh, Proverbs that Riley gave, and you can see that when you're abiding by God's plan or God's will, as you might also hear it referred to as, for your life, people or from other people, that I'm not saying everything's going to go perfectly exactly as you want it, but things will go a lot better for you when you work within God's plan. I mean, I'm sure... Dean, you have anything to add about like what it's like if you are outside of God's will or you try to do things on your own and make it as some people in this world think that they can being apart from God? Yeah, I feel um, I've have seen some events where working outside of God's plan has led to disaster and you'd think one thing happens and the complete opposite and calamity and tragedy happens and it could really uh, mess mess with you if you don't realize what's going on so but even tragic events are within God's plan and suffering and all that chaos that you have in your life that's according to God's plan because he has set up things for you to either learn or take part in uh, events and um, like with me my dad died when I was 10 years old so seeing that as a child he died of cancer a rare cancer. Um, seeing that as a child, it was kind of it was painful. And knowing now that I he's in heaven, so I, I do know that I have that assurance that I'll see him again. But it's it messed with me for a while, growing up without a dad and still growing up without that. But I know now that I have that eternal Father that I have, and I can always talk to and pray to today and I can learn him and read of him more in the Bible so yeah and what what Dean's talking about there is like God's good plan and then there's the mysterious how do those you know 
wicked things that Satan might do? How do those fit into God's mysterious plan? And we're not going to understand all of them. Like Dean's got a great grasp on that right there. Some people would maybe rebel against God and say, I can't believe you took my father when I was 10. And they'd get angry at God. But Dean's actually, God's used it to make him love God more and like focus on him so that he, you know, would see him for more of who he is. Um, but yeah, like there's that classic verse in Genesis when what they meant for evil, mm-hmm. God's meaning mm-hmm. those same, same things for good. Um, so whatever has happened to you, maybe it's, maybe you've committed an evil or maybe an evil has been committed against you. Maybe suffering has come your way. You know, the house behind me uh, this Tuesday night just burned down and the people in the house lost everything. Um, Was that their fault? Was it because of some sin? Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. But um, that's that's within God's will at one point. And they're going to learn, hopefully, something huge. They're not yet Christians. Um, So maybe God will use this to bring them to a knowledge of himself. Um, so like, yeah, that basic, whatever happens is God's will, but then to more of a specific degree, kind of what Alex and Riley are reading about here is like, what is God's good, specific, righteous will for your life? Like, what are the good things he wants you to carry out? Um, and in Ezekiel, um, his call to ministry you actually see God calling him to some really hard things, but they're ultimately good things. So it says in Ezekiel 3, he says, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go and speak to the house of Israel. And that's basically God saying, you have a message that's going to be really hard to tell these people, but you just had to do it. Take it. This is my will. I want you to speak my word to them. And then he says, uh, For you are sent not to a people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of foreign speech and a hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely I sent you to such they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me, because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. So that's a really hard calling. But then, I want you to see the result of that for Ezekiel. Then God says, Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery harder than flint have I made your forehead. Fear them not, be not dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. So basically God says, They're hard-hearted. Ezekiel, I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to make your forehead strong. So like whenever they try to run you through the mud, you've been through this suffering. You've trusted in my plan. So I'm going to make you strong. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said that a pastor must have the mind of a scholar, the heart of a child, and the skin of a rhinoceros to be able to take a beating, to be able to have people spit on you, to be able to have... People run through Jesus through the mud, and then you still offer them Christ and still love them. Um, I see that very um, specifically in our senior pastor in JD. Mind of a scholar, heart of a child. Um, you can't offend him. <laughs> like I've seen so many people say so many hateful things to him via text or call or in person, and he is just 
he takes it, it's like water off the back of a duck. It just rolls off of him, and he's, his heart's right there for you. Um, because the second that you lash out against somebody else, even if it's not compared to what they did to you, mm-hmm. that's how they view God yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah, so even what Dean was talking about, those sufferings, those trials, and you might even have a really hard call. You might feel like, I'm like a single mom, and this is just so terribly hard at home. And like, this seems like I'm doing nothing by just trying to teach my kids about the Bible. Like, no, that is huge. Like, you have no clue how God is growing you and the future benefits He's going to bring from it. Um, you who are faithful in little will be faithful in much, and you'll be given much not just now, but in the kingdom. So, sorry, that was a long rant. No, you're good. You're good. I appreciate it. And I'm going to talk up here for a bit about my, this might be wrong to say, but my favorite Old Testament character in Joseph, and Kinzer knows that probably better than just about anybody here, because we've, one, been talking about him a lot as I've gone through my like little Bible study. But I was actually thinking about this, and it kind of just fell into our laps that we're talking about following God's plan. And he's a great testament to that, because if you know anything of the story of Joseph, and just being the youngest of the twelve, and his brothers don't really like him, and he gets sold into slavery, he gets accused of like rape, and then he's thrown in prison, and actually found out that he's in prison for like two years at this mm-hmm. point. And then he comes to interpret uh, Pharaoh's dream, and then he becomes the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. And you look at just this story, and the entire time, it's a great understanding of just growing where you're planted at. And that's exactly what he does. And the the, uh, study that I was going through actually brought up these, like, three verses that go really well together. And so I'll just kind of read them here. It starts in Genesis 37, where it's... um, 37, which one is it? Just it? Sorry. It's 26 where it's Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brothers and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and we'll, and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed with him. So the uh, Midianite merchants came by and his brothers pulled up, or, yeah, pulled Joseph up by the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver. Um, and then they took him to Egypt. And then you go later into Leviticus uh, 27, and it's um, in verse 5 where it says, For a person between the ages of 5 and 20, and at this time Joseph is 17, it says, Set the value of any male at 20 shekels. Um, So it's just kind of funny how you see those two working together, how they plan to sell him off so that if he dies, it's not by their hands. But then later that becomes a number... That of how you're supposed to sell someone for his age um, as an honor to God. And then you get back to the verse that Kinzer talked about earlier, which is Genesis 20, or Genesis 50, 20, and where he says to his brothers, this is Joseph after they've come back, they've had the famine, um, and he's helped guide the entire, or all of Egypt through this. And he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, saving many lives. Mm-hmm. And, so the, the first part of that, and I think that's so important, and you'll see people do things to you like Jake, Joseph saw his brothers do. Um, and it's just all these things that they intended for bad for him, or that like all these people, Potiphar's wife, you had kind of the, the cupbearer, because he really forgot about Joseph for two years mm-hmm. in prison after yeah. he said, 
hey, I'm going to interpret your dream, but like remember to tell Pharaoh about me. You had his 11 brothers, or really it's 10, because one of them didn't want to harm him, and all these bad things, and he's just sticking to the plan. And I know that he had no clue what was going to happen, and I'm sure he probably was, there are times he was thinking, I'm going to get killed somewhere in this process. I'm sure those, because I think they said by the time he interprets Pharaoh's dreams, I think he's been in Egypt for 11 or 13 years, so he's about the age of 30 when that time comes. So he's been away from his family for 13 years. Hmm. And I'm sure he's probably wondering, he's like, man, God, I don't know what you're going to do with my life. He's like, but I'm just counting on you. And that's kind of where we need to find ourselves at. And I know you said earlier, you called it that, what, what how do you refer to it? Lazy, what? Dependence. Lazy yeah. dependence. But there's some times where it just, you kind of need to enrich one of these, this guy I worked with said it best. He's like, sometimes you just have to get out of your own way and he's like if you won't get out of your own way he said at least get out of god's way in your life mm. and i think that's a good way to word it and that's joseph he's like i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing but i'm gonna stick my hands up and just be like take it over lord mm. you take care of it all i know you i know you have this better than i do yeah. and i think that's where we need to find ourselves sometimes yeah and the crazy awesome thing is that the result is the saving of many lives mm. like joseph was just kind of like, okay, Lord, he let God work through him, <clears throat> and it resulted in mm-hmm. hundreds and thousands of people literally getting physically yeah. saved lives, but then Joseph also was a worshiper of Yahweh and was able to tell people about the truth, and had he not gone through any of that suffering, all those people wouldn't have been saved, mm-hmm. um, but that's how God works through that mysterious will, and I've, we've probably said this before. Mm-hmm. You can see something that God's doing in his right hand, but he's got his left hand behind the back, his mm-hmm. back, and you don't see that. But he's doing things behind the scenes, mm-hmm. um, definitely in Joseph's life. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. One thing when he first speaks to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's like, I heard you're one that can interpret dreams. And he says, I can't. He said, but God can. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of how you need to be. Like People are like, how, do you, how are you doing all this? It's like, I'm not doing anything. God's doing it for me. Amen. So now we've talked quite a bit about just examples from the Bible and just kind of of showing people following God's will and just knowing that God does have a distinct will. But what are some stories or verses from the Bible we can kind of go to to help understand maybe how to discern God's will for us? Um, Well, this is a helpful illustration. I just taught it to the youth group a week ago. Um, And it was taught me by... Um, my missiology professor in uh, Oakland City University, his name was uh, Gary Underwood. You got a question? What is missiology? Oh, <laughs> mi- study of missions. Okay. I was like, I'm going to ask a question here. That's... Yeah. Um, he was a missionary in Papua New Guinea. He spoke like two different dialects of the New Guinea language. He would just sometimes open class in prayer, speaking in their mm-hmm. language, and it was crazy sounding. But. Anyways, he taught uh, taught our class this, and back in the day, lighthouses. There were multiple lighthouses when you were trying when you were out at sea and you were trying to get to shore safely. And if you were going to the dock, and there were a bunch of like jagged rocks everywhere and lots of crags, and you had to make sure you were in line with the dock, and it's dark outside, you don't see where the rocks are. Um, you would have multiple lighthouses um, that were all in a line, and it would show you the clear path by which you could dock your ship. If 
you could see more than one lighthouse, well, more than one light, that would indicate that you were a little bit off. You were trajectoring. Mm-hmm. That's not a word. Your trajectory. Your trajectory <laughs> was a little bit off. Mm-hmm. And if you're just a little bit off mm-hmm. over like half a mile, I mean. You're far off. <laughs> you're way far off. Like one degree angle probably equals, I don't know, hundreds of feet mm-hmm. to the left or right. Um, so it was very important you stayed in line with all of those. And he said, Scripture gives us multiple lighthouses to know if you're in God's will. And if you see one out of line, that's a sign you need to readjust. And in Psalm 1, you see five of these lighthouses. Um, it's talking about the, the righteous man. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. So there's the word of God. Mm-hmm. Is the word lining up? When you read the Bible, is there ever any a time when you're like, man, I'm not following this? And on his law, he meditates day and night. So your prayer life, is God confirming or denying something in your inner conflict? Is there like you have peace about this or you feel convicted about it? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season is your path of life you're taking right now producing good gospel fruit or are you just like producing nothing or producing bad fruit so what's the fruit being produced in your way of life and he goes on verse five therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous so you need the people of god you need the congregation of the righteous if your counsel is the wicked, the way of sinners, and the scoffers, they're going to be pointing you terrible directions. But if you're in the congregation of the righteous, you're probably going to have people coming up to you saying, hey, that's awesome that you're doing this. Or, hey, did you ever consider, like my grandma, my senior year, did you ever consider not playing basketball this year and like focusing on your two ministries and your wife and your school? And I had really been praying about it, and I didn't. I wouldn't have done it unless she confirmed it. Like God used her as a confirmation for me. And then lastly is, for the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked will perish. So literally your circumstances. Like, do you even have the money or the opportunity to do this thing you think that is in God's will? Or are you just trying, you reaching for something that's um, a Hail Mary that is not within faith? Um, so yeah, that's kind of an illustration. So think about those lighthouses. You got the word, you got prayer, you have, um, what fruit you have other Christians and you have circumstances. So that's one helpful illustration, I think, but does anyone have any other like personal or things in the Bible that have helped you with finding God's will? I think just for myself, and you and I had had this conversation on our way to Milwaukee, and I just, I go back to this verse a lot, and it used to be something I would tell other people, but I wouldn't listen to myself, um, because I was that person, um, as bad as it is. I would just, Matthew 6.34, which says, therefore, um, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day brings enough trouble of its own. And that's when um jesus is speaking there and just thinking about um just your day-to-day and just doing the little bit that's in front of you 
while you can. Because mm-hmm. like we kind of said earlier, I mean, you see in James uh, 4, 13 through 15, you're talking like you have years. Yeah. And you don't know if yeah. you might have an hour from now. Yeah. And I think sometimes we speak in certainties where, and I think Paul says it in, and I can't remember what book it's in, uh, but he says, like, the day of your, like, basically the day of your salvation is closer now than when you first mm-hmm. believed. Like, mm-hmm. you have to understand that, like, the end of your life is growing closer. I mean, mm-hmm. Michael Todd talks about it, and as much as we don't want to talk about him maybe all the time, but he has this rope on stage, and he's using it as an illustration, and he has a little bit at the end tied up in, like, this red, and he's like, this is your life, and it's probably about a 30, 40-foot rope, and he's got mm-hmm. about six inches taped off in red, and he's like, that's how long your entire earthly life is versus the rest of it being eternity. Mm-hmm. And so while you're here on on earth just worrying about, like, what tomorrow may hold for you, just... Why don't you worry about what's here in front of you, how you can maybe get, I always like try to think to go to bed 1% better than the person that woke up for the day. And whether that's like sharing the gospel with somebody, spending time in God's word, just spending time in more prayer, just whatever you can do and just not being so anxious. Because like we talked about on like the previous episode of the podcast, how bad anxiety and depression is as a nation mm-hmm. for like actually really probably for the world more so than just saying just the nation. And we get so worried about trying to figure out everything. And mm-hmm. if we would just stop and listen to God when he says, like he says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, he's like, I know the plans that I have for you. And that should bring yeah. you great comfort in for those sure. times of anxiety of being like, I don't know what it is, but if I know God and I know anything about him and all these stories you read from the Bible I would rather him be in control for my life than I would ever, and I trust him more than I could ever trust myself for the outcome of my life. So that would just kind of be the advice that I would give to someone listening to the podcast is just trusting in him more than you could ever trust in yourself. Mm-hmm. Riley, you got something you want to add down there? I've got half a thought, but <laughs> it's still bacon. We'll, we'll complete but, it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like when you're reading Bible or you're listening to a sermon or whatever, mm-hmm. And you see the person, like if it's just a story about a single person or like a parable or whatever, um, but if you can relate that to your life and then you know the outcome, the outcome's going to either be the person or the income's not the right word. The outcome? <laughs> Let, no, like, um, like if it's a story about the person being good or being yeah. bad, like mm-hmm. with, well, not like, this is getting really... You're good. You really got to talk yourself through it. Talk yeah. yourself through it. <laughs> like, you know, like a story of like, you know, you hear Paul's story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, Paul's doing a lot of good. Mm-hmm. Or you hear another story, or like a parable about... Um, the rich young man. You know, the king, the, like a... The, the banquet dinner? No, where he um, goes to hell and he... Oh, Lazarus. oh Lazarus. Lazarus, yes. Mm-hmm. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, this is obviously like what we shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is my life lining up more to someone mm-hmm. like Lazarus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is my life lining up more to somebody like that Paul? King. Yeah. Oh. And to mm-hmm. Paul, right? It's like, it's like going towards the <laughs> positive where yeah. like God can use this in the positive way. It's like, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just kind of like you're trying to get at the idea <laughs> yeah. of just making sure... Yeah. Like, as you read scripture, kind of like Kinzer said, mm-hmm. just make sure 
your life is lining up with yeah. like what and most importantly like, line up with Jesus yeah. don't yeah. line up with Paul yeah. that's not what I'm saying <laughs> well yeah. Paul says imitate me as I imitate Christ mm-hmm. so I mean in mm-hmm. one way you're going to line yeah, up with Paul yeah but don't Paul. be like I want to yeah. be like Paul no you don't you, wanna... you don't want to be a Saul first yeah you'd rather be there's a different there's a different part to Paul mm-hmm. you ain't going to go out Make, say, Lord, make me like Paul. You're going to be lost for a long time. Well, if I could murder. if I could be like Paul, Paul. without being like Saul, yeah, yeah. that'd be fine. Be Paul just well, not Saul. Paul the person. And actually, not though, Paul the you later know, half. You know, I, real just quick random side thought. I know you had something from another book of the Bible. But would you honestly want, if I said, if, if they said you could be any New Testament character other than Jesus, would you really want to be Paul, though? No. I mean, think of everything that man went through. Right. I'm and, just saying, like... Oh, I know. I'm just... That was a random side thought. Like, people are like, oh, I'd love to be like Paul. And it's like, would you really, though? Because the he suffering... Likes to be he like the good stuff that Paul did. Yeah. That would... I mean, to get I mean, to be... Paul was, like, martyred, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, kind of like yeah, you... Yeah, in Spain. Because kind of like you said, do you, do you think as Paul was writing all these letters to the church, he's like, do you think he ever thought he'd be as influential today as he actually mm-hmm. is? Yeah. I mean, Paul, of his own accord, had so many gifts. I mean, he had the equivalent of two PhDs by the time he was 21. He was a genius. We would know, like, academic people would know Paul's name, even if he wasn't a Christian. Um, But God used him, like, in such a huge way through the suffering. Like, that's all of Colossians. We talked about that last week. Um yeah, it it would be hard to be Paul, mm-hmm. um, but like the closeness that Paul seems to have with Christ mm-hmm, is, yeah. it's very well. Back to not just talking about Paul, but God's plan. Like, uh-huh. he, th- he threw the title out. <laughs> Sorry, listen, I'm trying to tie us back. We're going off on a Paul rant nah. right now. Nah. Uh, but like, is your life lining up? In the with the Bible like it should. Mm-hmm. Don't be a bad example. <laughs> like yeah, I mean not that God can't use your bad example or your bad well for good, but we might not have enough time for that. Maybe that's yeah. another podcast. I had some part two. <laughs> Dean, do you have anything? Any advice for the listeners? Maybe about just kind of going with God's plan or will for their lives, and just how to kind of almost maybe be submissive might maybe might be the right word or just mm-hmm. obedient to it maybe that's the word I'm looking for yeah I'd say definitely be perseverant and what God like in the suffering you don't want to you don't want Satan to win you don't want him to have the ability to trip you up and keep you lost mm-hmm. and be in that darkness you want to stay headstrong with God and you want to stay standing and keep running the race of life and you want to keep people in his name, not just your own life, but you want to get others as well. So, and it's good to have help and have friends uh, who are tied with you that you can be able to bounce ideas back and forth mm-hmm. and share the gospel with them and they share them with you because not everyone all knows the same thing. So, obviously, I'm still learning stuff today. Kinzer's probably still learning stuff today. Oh, yeah. Paul is still learning stuff. Yeah. If we're talking about Paul, he's probably still learning stuff. <laughs> so, it's, it's good. I mean, him and Timothy, so. Bounce yeah. ideas off each other, mm-hmm. but yeah, don't run the race of life alone. Uh, stay with, stay uh, persevering, stay going, keep moving in the faith, and don't just stay still and 
let things happen because it doesn't do any good. Don't just stand there, do something. (laughs) But don't just do something. Stand there. It's a quote from Albert Muller. Did not know that. That's a lot. If you think about it, don't just stand there, do something. Like, get active for God. But don't just do something. Like, you stand on the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, don't just do something randomly. Mm-hmm. Like, stand, stand in where you're yeah. having your action. So, Can you ask the youth group that tonight? I want to hear them tell you what that means. <laughs> <laughs> we can't answer. I'll yeah. ask them tonight. All right, let me let me close this. Okay. Okay. I didn't know okay. if you had something in I'm Colossians. Gonna, I'm going to close this with a prayer okay. from Colossians. Oh, okay. All you're right. Paul <laughs> is going to pray us out here. All right. All right. <clears throat> Dear Father, we pray as Paul once prayed that our hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Lord, he is that will. He is your will. Christ is. So, Lord, I pray that those listening would find Christ, they would not find the byproducts of Christ, that they would not be after something he can give them, but they would be after Christ himself. I ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. And we will see you guys next time.